Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. NFL Tournament Strategy Show. Greg Ehrenberg here. Joined with our resident millionaire, millie, millionaire maker winner. Uh, Neil, for some reason, that always trips me up at the start of every single show. I... I always try to make it a point so that Neil once won a million dollars over on DraftKings, and I try to really push that as a hook to the show, and it just never comes out of my my mouth uh, properly. But always want to give Neil his proper due because he always has good information. You guys should be following him on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. Today's show also sponsored by No House Advantage. Uh, Neil, we're about halfway through the football season. It's gone quick. How are you feeling about this slate? It's a really interesting slate. I feel like we're missing some of the defenses that I usually like to target. Uh, are not on the main slate. So we have a lot of low totals, which uh, kind of, I feel like the ownership is pretty spread out at this point. So it's uh, it's an interesting kind of a different slate than we've had the past couple of weeks and, and no real like huge spreads. I think the, I think the biggest spread is like 10 or so. So uh, nothing, nothing crazy like we've seen the past couple of weeks. Yeah. There's no, uh, no massive blowout lines. And let me just check at least the last time I checked the totals, unless anything has changed this morning. There was not a single game, I believe, with a total over 50 points, which is yep. also something that, uh, you know, pretty surprising considering some of the scoring that we've seen up across the NFL. Although, you know, maybe consider then we've got teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, whose offense has been not nearly as prolific as has been the best. But actually, oh no, so we have the, uh, the Rams-Titans game has a total over 50. Uh, oh, no, but that game's not on the uh, main slate. So, yeah, no, no games on the main slate with a total over 50 points. We've got Baltimore-Minnesota with a total exactly 50 Chiefs Packers, that game would have had a total over 50 if Aaron Rodgers was playing, but obviously that's not the case. We have Jordan Love at quarterback. And I think that's kind of an interesting talking point because we have Jordan Love on the slate with a, a very cheap price point, particularly on DraftKings. And how are you prioritizing getting him in lineups, if at all? Because I kind of think as a one off, I've been experimenting with some lineups and you could play Jordan Love at quarterback. You hope for 15 to 20 fantasy points, don't even have to stack with anybody, and then you just pay up for whoever you want. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually exactly what I was going to say about Jordan Love. So he doesn't look incredible in the tools. Um, in the boom bust tool, he is projected for a 6% ownership with only a 3.8% chance of being optimal, but a 6% boom score. So even there, and he's only 2.5% top stack odds. But at the same time, he, he's another one of those scenarios that we've talked about uh, where we don't really know what to expect with Jordan Love. I feel like if he were in even a neutral matchup, I might just exclude him from my player pool given... Uh, given how he's showing up in the boom bust tool, but in a matchup like this against the chiefs, where it's such a bad defense, uh, he should be able to put up some points. They're probably going to have to throw to keep up with the chiefs. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have some Jordan love. And I agree with you that we don't really need to pair him with anybody because typically with the Packers and who knows if it's going to be the case with the backup quarterback, but usually he's going to be so concentrated to Devonta Adams. And this is a scenario where the difference in the price is so great between Jordan love and Devonta Adams that Jordan love could get there without Devonta Adams getting there. And he, he could be optimal. I think in this slate in particular, just because the totals are so low, he could put up 
13 or 14 points and still be optimal, possibly. I mean, it'd be unlikely, but I think he has a chance to be. So yeah, I, I like the idea of having some Jordan Love uh, without any stacking. Yeah, and I think the other thing we have to consider too about some of the Packers wideouts, which in real out, we're just talking about Devontae Adams for the most part. Like how often are we going out of our way to look at other Packers pass catchers, you know, unless it's a situation where somebody's out and there's obvious value somewhere. But like you said, so much of the Packers targets usually get concentrated to Devontae Adams and he's still priced as if Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback. So we've got Devontae Adams at 8,200, not to get too far ahead of ourselves by talking about the wideouts. But I think it's important that I still consider Jordan Love to be one of the better value plays on the slate because we're getting a starting quarterback at 4,400 and potentially playing a lot of garbage time. This could be a game that gets out of hand in the second half and just Jordan Love is accumulating garbage time, fantasy points, you know, via passing against against prevent defense, maybe even running the football. So uh, there are not too many often times that I'll look at a quarterback and say, I really want to play him naked, but I think Jordan Love is one of those uh, scenarios today. But is there anybody else that you would look at as a pass catcher that you would really want to stack with Love or just mostly looking at him with uh, by himself? I mean, I, w- I would have some stacks potentially with Devontae Adams, um, just, you know, hoping that he's just going to target his best receiver and hit him for 12 passes or something. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think I'd go too crazy with anybody. I mean, you could because just because the Chiefs' defense is so bad, and because they they should be passing, you could hope for the you know one-off Alan Lazard to score a long touchdown or something. But it's not something that I'm going to be going out of my way to target. All right, and then let's talk about the uh, pay-up options at quarterback. We've got. Uh, are you? What are you doing with Kyler Murray? Actually, I guess we should start there. I've just kind of been assuming he's not playing, uh, or if he does play, he's going to be limited enough to the point where he's not going to be running a lot. Uh, so I was looking more at you know Lamar Jackson, Patrick Holmes, and Josh Allen as pay-up options. But uh, do you have Kyler Murray in your in your player pool at the moment? No, my expectation is that he's not going to play. And if if we don't know going into the noon games whether Kyler Murray is going to play. I'm just going to plan on him being out because it seems so unlikely that he's going to play. And I'm going to target the 49ers defense a little bit in that scenario. Yeah, actually, I think that's a, that's a really good point is that if we do see him as questionable, I don't think people are going to be all over the 49ers defense. You know, right now people are very heavy on the chiefs defense because of the, the Jordan love situation and, and with Aaron Rodgers and also the chiefs being really cheap. But uh, yeah, I think that is a good shout out there with Kyler Murray. I'm also assuming he's out. I don't have interest in Colt McCoy this week, uh, but 49ers defense would be interesting, but Let's talk about those other pay-up options. We've got Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. This is a slate with a decent amount of value to go to. How much are you prioritizing paying up a quarterback? And if so, which of those three is the top option for you? For me, it's Lamar Jackson uh, by by a, a good margin, I'd say. Um, he's projected for the most own- – or no, Josh Allen is actually projected for the most ownership. Uh, so Lamar Jackson, he's projected for 14.3% ownership, um, which – given that he's got a 22.6% chance of boom and an 18.7% optimal probability. Uh, I really like Lamar Jackson against the Vikings defense, which is kind of suspect. It's not, it's not a bad defense, but it's not a defense that really scares you. Um, so I really like Lamar Jackson, uh, the best of the three after Lamar. I, I mean, I'll, I'll have some of all three of those guys. Um, I like the idea of paying up uh, more so in this side. I feel like the, the pay up options all look pretty good. Um, Josh Allen, uh, 15.6% projected ownership, 15.8% boom probability, only 11.6% optimal, but then 21.9% top stack odds. Um, I, I always want to play Josh Allen some. I mean, he, he could rush in for a couple touchdowns against the Jaguars. Um, he's got plenty of ways to get there. Uh, they're supposed to be putting up over 31 points um, in their, their implied team total. So, yeah, I, I like uh, Josh Allen quite a bit. 
Uh, and Patrick Mahomes is just mostly an ownership play because he's only projected for 5.8% ownership. And I've been saying all along and I've been wrong, like almost every week, I still think Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He, he's just, he's not really doing it, but uh, I still think that he's going to be, if not the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and at some point he's going to, you know, get it together and wouldn't, wouldn't shock me if it's this week against the Packers. So I'll definitely be over the field on Patrick Mahomes as well. So I think I think there's a couple things going on with Patrick Patrick Holmes. Number one, I do think he's playing a little bit worse this year than we've seen in previous years. To me, that that is something that's going on. Number two, also though, Travis Kelsey looks. I'm not going to say washed, but he's not quite. I think the same player he's been in previous years. And don't forget, this is a 32 year old tight end. It's not crazy to think that Travis Kelsey is just slightly less of a player now than he's been in previous years. And then you combine that with maybe a slight downtick in performance for Patrick Mahomes. And we're kind of getting a, a fans here that would not have otherwise been expected for Mahomes. But once again, that is a chief stack that I think has massive amounts of upside and people are generally off Mahomes. This is a situation where we had all these question marks with him and he was going to be popular. I'd say, all right, let's go underweight to the field on him. But we have all these question marks on him. And as a result, people are just not stacking the Chiefs. They're not getting to Patrick Mahomes. So that is something that appeals to me when he's going to be low owned on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, but let's move into the uh, the mid-range of quarterbacks. And uh, the first guy I want to ask you about is Jalen Hurts, who once again rates out really well in the in the boom-bust tool because of his massive fantasy point upside. This guy, for the most part, continues to suck in, for, for real-life purposes. Although it's funny enough, last week he actually plays well against the Detroit Lions. And because he played well, it hurts his fantasy upside. We need him to be uh, shitty in the first half and then have to play for behind the second half to really capture the fantasy upside. But in general, Jalen Hurts has been really good for fantasy, regardless of how he's played in real life. He scored over 20 fantasy points in all but one game now this season. So Jalen Hurts, I think, really gets slept on by the public just because they look at the real-life results and not the fantasy results. We care more about the fantasy here, so I like Jalen Hurts. How about you? Yeah, I love Jalen Hurts. He looks, like you said, great in the boom-bust tool. He's only projected for 7.1% ownership. Uh, he doesn't look as great in the top stack odds. He's only 4.2% uh, top stack. Um, so, which tells me maybe you want to play him naked. And, and I think that makes sense against the chargers too. They have such a bad run defense. Uh, it's kind of a, a run funnel defense and it wouldn't surprise me if Jalen hurts put puts up a lot of his points on the ground. Uh, so I like the idea of playing hurts without any pass catchers in some of my lineups. I'll obviously be also pairing him some with Dallas Goddard, Devonte Smith. Um, but yeah, I, I like the idea of playing a lot of hurts and running him naked in some of those lineups. Uh, and then uh, in, in terms of contrarian options, I'll open the floor to you in a second, but somebody who I do like for uh, lower ownership is going to be Joe Burrow. And the reason has less to do with Burrow individually than some of these pass catchers in this game. So we have Joe Burrow, 2.7% chance to be optimal. That's not all that high, but Jarvis Landry is one of the overall most positively leveraged players on the slate. We also have T Higgins, Jamar Chase, both who look like pretty strong options. There's also Tyler Boyd in the picture. So I think we could pretty easily go Joe Burrow with two of his wide receivers, run it back with Jarvis Landry. And that's a stack that I really like, even if Joe Burrow individually doesn't have the best leverage score. So do you like him? And are there any other lower owned QB options that you like this week? Yeah, so Joe Burrow is not somebody that I have been, uh, that I listed on my list of quarterbacks that I wanted to talk about, but all three of his receivers are. So I think it makes some sense. I, I think what you're saying makes sense um, having, you know, stacking him with two because he has those three and they're all so good. It wouldn't be that shocking to see them put up a lot of points uh, and Joe Burrow being optimal, especially with the, the Landry run, run back. So it's not somebody that I've been targeting, but I don't hate the idea. I'm sure I'll have some Burrow just because I like the receivers so much. 
Yeah, and uh, so but before I ask you about more of the contrarian options, the other thing too is I'm on the same page with you individually. I don't like burrow all that much, but then you get to a point where I'm starting to build my lineups and I care a lot more about position players and the individual quarterbacks. And it just gets to a point where if I'm rostering Jarvis Landry is one of my most rostered wide receivers this week, if I'm mixing in Jamar Chase, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I just kind of naturally get to Joe Burrow. And I think that if I'm going to, if Joe Burrow has a crappy game this week, most of my laps are probably going to suck anyway, because I'm really high on Jarvis Landry on the other side of the game and some of the Bengals pass catchers. So I kind of need him to play well anyway. So he kind of fits into my lineups from that perspective. But uh, what, what other contrarian QBs are you looking at right now? Yeah, so not extremely contrarian, but Tua is only projected for 2.8% ownership with a 13.9% boom probability. I like that. I mean, the Texans, and he's also nice leverage off of Miles Gaskin. It seems like Gaskin's going to be a little bit chalky. So I don't hate the idea of playing Tua, only 5,800. It wouldn't be that shocking if they put up their points uh, through the air instead of on the ground. So uh, I like the idea of playing some Tua. Um, Derek Carr, I mean, everybody's going to be wanting to play Hunter Renfro this week, or at least I would think so. Uh, Derek Carr is only projected for 5.3% ownership, though, with an 8.1% boom probability. So I'm going to be playing some Derek Carr. Uh, and also in that range, I'd say Daniel Jones looks pretty good. Daniel Jones, I feel like always looks good in the tools and often delivers. Um, he's only projected for 4.6% ownership with an 11.1% boom probability. So I, I really like Daniel Jones against the Raiders. Um, how, how do you feel about those three? Yeah, Daniel Jones is somebody who I don't necessarily make him a priority for me, but I've probably been overweight to him just about every slate the Giants have been on this year. For one reason, it's easy to get overweight to him. There's only been, I think, one week where he picked up ownership that was north of like five or 6%. And like you said, he has upside. He, he has a lot of rushing ability. And something that we talked about way back at the beginning of the year is Daniel Jones always got made fun of for that play against the Eagles where he ran for 75 yards, then tripped and fell and didn't score a touchdown. But I always look at that play as, hey, how many quarterbacks are capable of 70-yard runs? And it's, you know, even if he didn't score the touchdown, it's a funny meme. It's an overall good fantasy play, and it kind of shows the running ability he has. So, yeah, I, I think that for fantasy upside, he is more, more appeal than I think most people realize. Yeah, I agree. And then the, the only other quarterback that I had listed is Mac Jones. I feel like he, he always looks pretty good in the boom-bust duel, too, just because he's always projected for such low ownership at a relatively low price. So project for 1.4% ownership with a 4% boom probability. It's not something that I'm going to be like going out of my way to get a ton of, but I always like the idea of uh, Mac Jones. And you know we can hope for Jacoby Myers to finally score a touchdown. Yeah. Every, every week, my hot take is Jacoby Myers scores a touchdown. He's getting closer. He's caught a couple of two point conversions over the last couple of weeks, which kind of like that should count for something, right? It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not like you're more likely to score a two point conversion from the three yard line than you'll actually catch a catch a touchdown from the three yard line. Uh, So he's getting closer. It's coming. He also had that one, I think three or four weeks ago that got called back, which, you know, in hindsight, I look back, I was like, well, I would have made a lot of money that week had that counted as a touchdown. But uh, that aside, Jacoby Myers, hot take again this week, Jacoby Myers scores a touchdown. So I'm going to, I'm going to ride. Eventually it's going to be right. And then, uh, and then I could victory lap it. If you, if you call for Jacoby Myers touchdown every week for two years, going to hit on it eventually, but yeah, uh, just delete all the old (laughs) tweets. Keep the one. Ah, no, I don't do that either. I'm not going to go back and do it. We just victory. We just victory lap hard. When, uh, when Jacoby Myers actually scores the touchdown. Uh, guys, do us a favor. Like this video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you like this video, Jacoby Myers becomes 10% more likely to score a touchdown. Those are just the, the basic fundamentals of math. So like this video. Give a nice boost to Jacoby Myers. Subscribe to the YouTube channel because we have a lot of content coming up today covering a whole bunch of sports. We've got MMA Live Before Lock for one of my favorite UFC cards of the year, Kamaru Usman versus Colby, Colby Covington too. That should be a great card tonight. So we've got... 
Uh, we've got Jason and Pete the Heat breaking that down later. We also got the NBA Deeper Dive and NBA Live before lock today. So lots of sports covered. So subscribing, knowing all of that is going to be going live. All right, let's move over to the running back position. And I just want to start by talking about the pay-up option on the slate that everybody's getting to on DK. Austin Eckler, he's at 7,900. FanDuel is at 9,000, so he's a little bit less popular. And also, he's less of a play on FanDuel in general anyway, because only a half-point PPR and a lot of those points come uh, via pass catching. But I want to ask you, how much of a priority is Austin Eckler for you as a pay-up option on DK? He's not a huge priority from, for me. I'm probably going to be a little bit under the field if he does come in over 23% ownership, as we have projected right now, um, just because he doesn't look great in the boom bust tool. As, as I said, 23% ownership, but 13.6% boom probability, 16.7% optimal probability. But again, 16.7% optimal probability is not a low number. So he's not somebody that I want to full fade. I'll probably come in right around that number, 16, 17% uh, would be my expectation right now. Obviously, a lot can change between now and lock. Um, but he's also $100 cheaper than Christian McCaffrey. So for me, if, if McCaffrey is active, I'm going to be taking some shots there. He's only projected for 5% ownership. We don't really know if he's going to have a full role, but I'm willing to take some shots when Christian McCaffrey is 8,000. I feel like that's cheaper than he's been the past two years. So I'm going to take some shots there. How about you? Yeah. So here's where we have to look for Christian McCaffrey. If Ian Rappaport tweets on Sunday morning that Christian McCaffrey is only going to play a partial workload, expect like 40 carries from him. Yep. That's always, that's always been the, the telltale. Ian Rapport, he's done that less this year. I don't know if you've noticed, or maybe I just pay attention to it less. Uh, but in previous years, he's been really heavy on predicting workloads. And, oh, I talked to the offensive coordinator, which he never does. He just bullshits it and makes it up. And then he's wrong all the time. So maybe that's one of the reasons he's done it less this year. But that was one where last year with Christian McCaffrey, we saw McCaffrey, come, uh, McCaffrey coming back from an injury. I'm going to pull up his exact workload numbers from that game. And I remember that morning, uh, there was some ownership expected to go to McCaffrey. And then Rappaport tweeted that McCaffrey's expected only to get a limited workload. They're going to try to ease him into the game. And that was week nine against the Chiefs. The final stat line for Christian McCaffrey in that game, and by the way, he ended up getting hurt, didn't play the rest of the season after that. He had 18 carries for 69 yards and 10 catches for 82 yards. So we had a guy supposedly on a, on a workload limit who got 28 touches in the game. So if he's going to remain fairly low owned and we're for a little bit ambiguous about what his workload is going to be, I like getting overweight to the field on Christian McCaffrey. He's very, very difficult to project. So I don't know what he's ultimately going to look like in some of the tools. But I think once again, some of that variance is something that I think we want to try to capture in tournaments and Christian McCaffrey playing him in 10 to 15% of lineups is you know pretty sensible to me. Is that kind of something you had in mind as well? Yeah, exactly. And I agree. Ian Rappaport, uh, he burned me at least three or four times last year. So I guess shame on me. But uh, maybe this year we just haven't been reading his stuff because he burned us too much last year. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely like the idea of being overweight on Christian McCaffrey. Um, and then Alvin Kamara, I think I'll be right right with the field. He's projected for 12% ownership with a 10% boom probability, 13.1% optimal probability against an exploitable Falcons defense. It's a little bit of a tough situation to read uh, because we have Taysom Hill back. Trevor Simeon is the quarterback. We don't really know how he's going to target McCaffrey, but he's a good enough player and cheap enough price tag that I'm willing to take shots on uh, Kamara against the Falcons. All right, now let's talk about my overall favorite running back option right now on DraftKings, and that is going to be Ezekiel Elliott. I also like him a whole bunch on FanDuel, but DraftKings in particular is one of the, the most positively leveraged plays on the slate. It's just too cheap of a price point for him at 7000 and 
you know, as much as we all go on Twitter and like to make fun of Ezekiel Elliott and talk about uh, Tony Pollard and running backs don't matter. And that Pollard's been, you know, better for a lot of time from an efficiency standpoint over the last couple of years. Zeke's played a pretty substantial role this year, and that's only gotten solidified as the year's gone on. He's also got Dak Prescott, a quarterback now, so the Cowboys offense has been better. The last four games, 20, 21, 17, 16 targets for Ezekiel, uh, carries, not targets, carries for Ezekiel, but then targets in the last uh, couple of games, nine targets and six targets. So we've got a guy playing a big workload right now in Ezekiel. He looks massively under owned. So he is uh, actually currently my most rostered running back on both FanDuel and DraftKings, actually, in my builds. Uh, do you think you're going to be getting to Ezekiel a bunch as well? I do. And, and I'm somebody who I'm one of the people who keeps waiting for Tony Pollard to break out, to get more work, take him in all my best ball. Um, but when, every time I watch the Cowboys, I'm like, man, Zeke is actually a good running back. I mean, it's, I think that we we make fun of him too much and we expect uh, Pollard to take over prematurely because Zeke is actually a talented running back. And like you said, 7,000, just too cheap in a game where they're 10 point favorites. They're going to put up a lot of points. He's only projected for 17.3% ownership, but an 18.4% boom probability and a 23.3% optimal lineup probability is huge. Uh, so I, I like the idea of taking some shots on Zeke. I might still take one or two shots on Tony, maybe maybe more than one or two, maybe five shots on Tony Pollard, uh, just because I still think that he he's an electric enough running back that it doesn't take many carries for him to bust one off. He hasn't really done it yet this year, uh, as far as I can recall, but I'll probably take, just because he's 2.1% project ownership, but 3.1% optimal lineup probability is good enough for me to say, hey, yeah, I'll take a few shots on uh, Pollard where I don't have Zeke. I think he played a pretty substantial role in the passing game in week one. And then week two, I think it was, uh, okay. So yeah, it was week two, Tony Pollard ended up rushing for over a hundred yards against the chargers. And that was when a lot of people, including myself said, Hey, we're finally getting rid of this Zeke guy. It's Tony Pollard time in, uh, in Dallas. And it has just not been the case since then, but yeah, week two, over a hundred rushing yards for Tony Pollard. It looked like he was me be cutting into Ezekiel Elliott's role, but it's not been the case, especially not over the last couple of weeks. So uh, Zeke's role looks pretty uh, firmly entrenched to me. Uh, let's move into the mid-range of some of these running backs because there are a bunch of guys that do look pretty favorable here where you're looking at people like Devon, uh, backs like Devontae Booker, Miles Gaskin, uh, Eli Mitchell is picking up a bunch of ownership. When we're getting into that, you know, like mid-6K, 7K range, what is it that stands out to you? Yeah, so Devontae Booker really stands out in the tools. Uh, he just has such a great opportunity. They just feed him the rock a lot. Uh, it's only projected for a 7.9% ownership, but a 9.8% boom probability, 14% optimal lineup probability is pretty huge. Uh, so I really like Devontae Booker against the Raiders at only 5,900. Uh, Miles Gaskin, I don't really like as much. He just looks like he's going to be overowned. I understand the play against the Texans. I, I want to target running backs against the Texans too, but he's projected for 15.4% ownership with only an 8.5% boom probability and a 12.5% optimal lineup probability. So I would expect to come under the field on Miles Gaskin, maybe somewhere in the 10% range, give or take a few percentage points. Um, and instead, I might, here's another one where I might take a few shots on Selvan Ahmed. Uh, at only 4,000, not a ton, but he's only projects for 1.4% ownership with a 2.4% optimal lineup probability. And they haven't been that consistent with their usage of running backs this year. So it wouldn't shock me to see Selvan Ahmed get a few more opportunities than usual against the Texans and he's only 4,000. So I don't hate taking some shots there. Um, who's standing out to you among the, the mid-range guys? 
Uh, you know, for me, it's primarily right now uh, Devontae Booker and um, and Eli Mitchell on on DraftKings at fifty eight hundred. I also like uh, Eli Mitchell even at the more elevated price point, seventy one hundred dollars on FanDuel. I've still been getting to him there. Uh, Cordero Patterson's another one that's kind of interesting to me. I feel like we've projected been projecting him a little bit too low for basically the entire season. And I mean, you go back to like week two where a lot of, there was, I don't know how many weeks in a row where boom busts won a lot of projections. Like, you know, who's the running back to roster in Atlanta, Mike Davis. And I got to a certain point. I was like, well, I'm not playing Mike Davis anymore. I feel like we've been a little bit too high on him. And as a result, I also think we've been a little bit too low on Cordero Patterson. And when you also consider that Cordero Patterson, now there's, no more Calvin Ridley for the foreseeable future for Atlanta. Who knows if he even plays again this season with some of his with some of the issues that he's having. Uh, I think Cordero Patterson also stands to gain a lot in the passing game. So, you know, I know that he does look a little bit negatively leveraged, but he's 6,300 and I'm a little bit higher on him than, than what some of the data is on the site. So I think he's somebody that could be going a little bit over, uh, underlooked with, with the struggles of the Atlanta offense and, and Ridley missing. Yeah, I agree. He's uh, he's not somebody that I have been targeting because he doesn't look great in the tools, but it, he does make sense. I agree with you there because he's only 6,300. I don't love the matchup against the Saints, of course, but he's a good enough player or he has been this year. <laughs> he's been a good enough player that he can do it against any defense if they're targeting him. He's only 6,300. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of playing uh, a little bit as well of Cordero Patterson. Um, I did want to mention, so I'm curious what you think about um, Aaron Jones. So without Aaron Rodgers there, there's it's it's hard to kind of get a read on what they're going to do. Are they just going to run the ball more against the Chiefs? And if they do, I would think he would have some success against the Chiefs' terrible defense. Uh, but I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm going to have some Aaron Jones, I think. What do you think? Are you going to be playing Aaron Jones? I do not have, well, I'm not going to say knock him. I have him in uh, 1% of the initial build of my lineups, and he's he's not a priority for me. And it's for a couple of reasons. It's number one, Aaron Rodgers being out. That's just going to limit the the Chiefs off, the, um, the, the Packers offense as a whole. But then number two also, there's just been games as of late where they go to A.J. Dillon a lot at running back. So there's this thing where is, is the offense going to be inefficient without Aaron Rodgers? But then number two, are they just going to potentially go to A.J. Dillon in some of these spots? You know, you look at the last couple of games, 15 carries for Aaron Jones and six carries. And then you look at A.J. Dillon's workload the last two games, 16 carries and three carries. You know, I think this is kind of close to a split backfield. Sometimes it's Dillon, sometimes it's Jones. So that's something that also really gives me a little bit of pause. That he's just overpriced because the, the pricing hasn't corrected for Aaron Rodgers being out. Yeah, I, I had meant to look up AJ Dillon and then you brought him up and I had forgot. So I just looked it up now, uh, 4,600. I was hoping that he'd be the min and I'd, I'd be able to take some shots on AJ Dillon, but he's projected for 1.4% ownership. So um, yeah, I think I think that's a good take. I'm still going to take some shots just because there's the possibility that they just know that Jordan Love can't do it and they'll give him plenty of opportunities. And the Chiefs defense, Maybe they'll be focused on stopping the run and make, making Jordan Love throw, but we don't really know that for sure. And we don't really know if they're capable of stopping the run anyway. So I'll have I'll take some shots on Aaron Jones, but I, th- I think your reasoning is good. I don't want to get too crazy with Aaron Jones despite the positive matchup. Yeah, and this actually might be somebody to like for kind of similar reasons to Aaron Jones, but, but a little bit different of a situation. That's Josh Jacobs finally looking healthy for the Raiders. Now you consider that Henry Ruggs is out of the picture and it's just a thin receiving core. I do wonder if we start seeing them prioritize run the ball a little bit more. Also, we haven't seen a whole lot of this team without John Gruden, the coach. Who knows what that means in terms of a change of philosophy? So I think it's potentially we see an uptick in role for Josh Jacobs. He's fairly inexpensive on both FanDuel and DraftKings. He's $7,200 on FanDuel, $6,200 on DK. So 
Uh, Josh Jacobs is somebody else who I think for a lot of the same reasons that you like Aaron Jones, although not exactly the same, a potential more of a priority on the running game for the Raiders as me getting to Josh Jacobs fairly overweight to the field. Yeah, and he looks good in the tools. I mean, he's projected for under 10% ownership, but a 10.6% boom probability, 12.6% optimal lineup probability. 6,200 is not too hefty of a price tag. So I agree with you. I would expect to be over the field on Josh Jacobs. Um, while we're talking about these mid-range guys, I feel like I we, we didn't talk about Nick Chubb, but I think Nick Chubb looks pretty good against the Bengals. Uh, only projects for 8.3% ownership, but 13.3% optimal lineup probability. So I'll be taking some shots on Nick Chubb. Um, and then Damian Harris, I, I also want to bring up just because he's only because he's only projected for 3.6% ownership. He's not a player that I love, but 8.5% optimal lineup probability at 3.6% ownership looks pretty good for, for Damian Harris. Um, and I think that's though, I think we've talked about basically every running back that I really <laughs> wanted to talk about. How about you? Anybody yeah, else? Those are, no, those are, those were all the pertinent ones for me that pretty much sums up in the, in the player play belt. We've hit on everybody that I have more than like 5% of at this point. So believe we've encompassed that pretty well. And if you guys want access to all of the tools that Neil and I are talking about that we use to build our lineups, you can get access to all of the tools we have for every sport out there, signing up for an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. Also, if you were a new user to Osmo Plus, sign up using the promo code NFL Strategy Show, and that gets you 25% off your first week of Osmo Plus Platinum. And if you're only looking to play NFL DFS, we do have NFL Plus weekly packages starting for as low as $3.95. Stop guessing, start winning, join Awesome Plus today. So let's head on over to these uh, wideouts now, Neil. And uh, I'm going to start with kind of a weird place, and that's with the Buffalo Bills, mostly because I don't know what to make of the Cole Beasley situation. He's somebody who right now looks way too cheap on both FanDuel and DraftKings. The initial builds I was doing, I was getting to a lot of Cole Beasley, but I'm not sure he plays anymore. He didn't practice towards the tail end of, of the week. He's also listed as questionable. If he is out, what do you think the ramifications are? And if he's in, are you going to want to roster him? Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If he's in, I will want to roster him just based on the data that we have projected for 10% ownership, but a 15.8% boom probability. Of course, that could change once it becomes clear that he's in. So I'll be watching these numbers. Kind of depends on where his ownership comes in at. But if it remains around 10% and he's got a 15.8% boom probability, I would expect to have some Cole Beasley in my lineups for sure. Um, if he's out, I mean, I already like Stefan Diggs and love Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so if he's out, I'll just probably be playing even more of them. Stefan Diggs currently projects for 13.3% ownership and 14.8% optimal probability. So I would want to be over that 15%. I'd be, I'd be over the 15% number on Diggs. And then Emmanuel Sanders, 4.6% projected ownership, but an 8.7% optimal lineup probability, 9.5% boom score. So I'd probably be over 10% on Emmanuel Sanders um, if, if Beasley is out, maybe even if Beasley's in. Um, 
And then, of course, I think you'd have to consider Gabe Davis just because with Beasley out, I mean, they spread the ball around. I'm sure Gabe Davis would have more opportunities. I didn't check what his price is. He is but... uh, 5000 on FanDuel and 3500 on DraftKings. I know because I was just about to bring him up because I was going okay. to say uh, Gabriel Davis becomes one of my, if not my favorite value play on the slate at 3500 if, um, if if Beasley doesn't play. And another thing to consider, that would make it easier to stack the Bills making double stacks of, of Davis with Allen and Sanders or Diggs, just because that opens up so much salary savings with a 3,500 Gabriel Davis. Yeah, that would be, that would be a great play. And I, I agree on all of that. I'd probably be getting to more Josh Allen. It's like we've talked about before. You'd think that the quarterback gets worse with one of his receivers being out, but in a way he just becomes more concentrated. You kind of know how to do the stack. So I would probably get to a little bit more Josh Allen in that scenario. Um, but yeah, I, I like whoever the three are that are in, and, and, you know, projected to get the most snaps are the three that I'm going to like. I'm going to play all of them for the Bills. All right. And then the other mid-range wide receiver, which, I mean, we've talked about some of these guys kind of in passing, but haven't really gone into detail with them. Jarvis Landry benefiting from the absence of Odell Beckham. One of my favorite value plays on the slate on wide receiver, both FanDuel and DraftKings. Same goes for Hunter Renfro, who we have to look at who on the Raiders stands to benefit the most from Henry Ruggs not being the, uh, from a, uh, Yet from Ruggs not being the picture, it's going to be Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller to me, both seeing uptick in targets. Any issue with either of those guys, you can be on board with me. Landry, Renfro, both core plays for me as of now. Yeah, so right now I'm very much on board with you. We're going to have to watch the ownership because it wouldn't surprise me if they both shoot up a bit. Um, but currently, yeah, I mean, they look amazing. Jarvis Landry only projected for a 10% ownership, but a 17.5% boom probability, a 16.2% optimal lineup probability. I really like that. I'm surprised that none of the... Uh, cheaper guys, cheaper wide receivers for the Browns really looked that great on our tools. I thought maybe Rashad Higgins or Donovan Peoples-Jones would look really good. They don't look that great, but they're cheap enough. I'll probably take a few shots on both of those guys, Higgins and Peoples-Jones. Um, but for the most part, yeah, Jarvis Landry, he's the guy we're going to want, assuming that his ownership doesn't get up to like 30%. We're going to want to have a lot of Jarvis Landry. Um, and then, yeah, Hunter Renfro looks incredible in the tools right now. Only projected for 11.9% ownership, but 25% boom probability. That is huge. I mean, that's massive. And, and a 17.2% optimal lineup probability. He's only 4,800. He presumably should be getting more opportunity now that Ruggs isn't on the team. Um, so I really like Renfro as well. Um, and again, as far as the, the cheaper guys on the Raiders, I always like to look at them, you know, in groups, look at the receivers in groups. Ryan Edwards looks okay. Uh, I'll probably be over the field. He's only projected for 4.4% ownership, 4.6% boom probability, 7.5% optimal line of probability. And as we know, he's the next Megatron. That's what they were saying all summer. So yeah. <laughs> we know, we know Brian Edwards is ready to break out. Um, and then Zay Jones, only 3000 project for 2.4% ownership, but a 3.7% optimal line of probability. I might get to 5% Zay Jones or so. Um, so yeah, I, I like all those guys. How are you feeling about the, uh, the cheaper guys on these teams? Uh, you know, this is a, here's in, in theory, I would like them a lot, but you kind of look at the context of this slate, right? And there are so many mid-ish range wide receivers to get to, I think, for me, that make for really good plays in both FanDuel and DraftKings. Jacoby Myers, like I said, I'm predicting a touchdown for him again this week. We're going to be right eventually on that. I like Jacoby Myers. He's cheap. Hunter Renfro is cheap. Jarvis Landry is cheap. And you just get to a point where it's like, okay, do I really need to roster these wide receivers at 38, 3,900, 4,100? when I could pay a thousand dollars more on a slate where we don't have that many guys to pay up for and we could get to a Jarvis Landry, Hunter Renfro who just projects so well. So in theory, I think these guys would make for good plays on most slates. I just don't know how practical or necessary it is for this particular slate. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense to me. 
And then another thing I want to ask you about is pay up options at wide receiver. We touched on Stefan Diggs and the potential for him to have a, a big game, especially if Cole Beasley is going to be being out. But uh, if Cole Beasley is out, but some of the other wide receivers, we don't have Cooper Cup to pay up for on the slate. He's basically been like an automatic 20 to 30 fantasy points every game. I don't think Devontae Adams is all that appealing with Jordan Love at quarterback instead of Aaron Rodgers. And with all of these cheap guys to get to, I'm not really paying up for wide receiver that much this week. So it's not to say that guys like uh, Debo Samuel or Tyree Kill or bad plays or Justin Jefferson, but I'm really preferring to get to like 20 to 30% of some of these cheaper guys we meant to that we mentioned pay up a little bit of running back. Uh, but are you getting to any of the high end wide receivers or any individual ones uh, more than others? Yeah, it's funny. There's no really expensive guys that we really want to pay up for at any position. I mean, at running back, the, the most expensive guy is 8,200. That's a lot less than uh, we usually can. So maybe I'll end up getting, so I haven't done my builds yet, but I might get to some of these guys just because, you know, you, you need to spend your salary somewhere and they might end up projecting well, but yeah, none of them look, none of them at face value are guys that I really want to target. Devonta Adams with Jordan Love at quarterback is not somebody I really want to play. Tyreek Hill. I don't know. I'll, I'll have some Tyreek Hill. He's, he's one of those guys that, uh, I, I, I never get right. So I think that I'm, I think I'm biased against Tyreek Hill because I never get him right. I'm always under the field when he goes off and then I go over the field and he does. So uh, I'm probably going to try to be right with the field on Tyreek Hill. He's projected for 21% ownership. I might be just a little bit below that, maybe 16, 7%, 16 or 17%, just because he's 17.2% optimal lineup probability. So I might have a little bit under the field on Tyreek Hill. Um, I do like Diggs a lot. We talked about Diggs, 7,700. I'll probably get over the field on Diggs. So he's one of the few pay-up options that I will be over the field on. Um, and then Jamar Chase, I would, again, expect to be maybe slightly over the field on his 10% projected ownership, um, but not going out of my way to get way over the field on him. Justin Jefferson, kind of the same story. I'll, I'll be over the field. If he ends up at 6.7% ownership, I'll definitely be over the field on Justin Jefferson, especially because I'm going to be playing so much Lamar Jackson. Um, but I, I don't think I'm going to be, I'm not going to be playing 25%, I don't think, but I'll be probably over the 6.7%. So yeah, I agree with you. There, there's no real like slam dunk uh, Cooper cup types on the slate in great matchups, at, uh, in the payup option. So yeah, there's nobody that I'm going to be getting a ton of. And I agree with you. The mid range is probably where most of my ownership is going to be. Uh, one other guy in the mid range that we've not yet talked about yet that I want to add into the mix is going to be Kadarius Tony. And, uh, he's been so up and down this year. We talk about trying to capture some of this variance in tournaments where, you know, I'm less concerned about the downside because realistically uh, a mediocre result is just the same as a bad result more often than non-tournaments because we need to produce a lot of upside. And Kadarius Tony, there's there's no Sterling Shepard for the Giants this week. And it was a little bit of a disappointing game, but more than a little bit disappointing for Kadarius Tony against the Chiefs. But he also didn't play a whole lot of snaps in the first half of that game. So I think the Giants just being a little bit cautious with his overall health coming back from an ankle injury. But the last time we saw him fully healthy in the game that Sterling Shepard did not play in, Canarius Tony against the Dallas Cowboys, 10, uh, 10 receptions on 13 targets for 189 yards. Now, do I think that's the most likely outcome? No, but it shows the kind of upside that Tony has. So he's somebody at lower ownership that I also really like adding into the mix with the likes of Hunter Renfro and uh, Jarvis Landry added earlier. So what are you going to do with the, uh, the young and highly volatile Canarius Tony? 
Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of guy we want to play, right? And he looks good in the tools, too. So he's only projected for 8.6% ownership, but 10% boom probability, 11.7% optimal lineup probability at only 5,200. I really like to play. Um, I just think we don't really know what to expect. But like you said, he had that one big game. And then I think it was the next game where he was targeted like three times in the first drive. I think he maybe might have had three catches in the first drive and then got hurt. So they clearly want to use him. And I, I like your thought that maybe they were just kind of slowly bringing him into the game. Maybe we can expect a little bit more workload this game. Um, and I like Daniel Jones. So I, th- I think Kadarius Tony is kind of a natural pair in with Daniel Jones. So I would expect to be over the field on Kadarius Tony as well. Yeah, so, it, so it was that game against the Rams. And uh, that's actually a good point because I kind of forgot about the, the narrative to that. Kadarius Tony played something like eight snaps and it was the first Giants drive of the game on those limited snaps played. He was targeted three times. Like he said, three catches for 36 yards. He appeared well on his way to a massive fantasy game that day. Rolls the ankle, gets hurt, and that's uh, then caused him to miss a game. He comes back, limited workload. So as long as we don't hear anything about Kadarius Tony being limited, I think this is a spot where he has a pretty substantial amount of upside. Are there any other wideouts here that are going to be important or pivotal plays for you that we've not hit on yet? Yeah, so one I want to talk about is Brandon Ayuk, um, just because of Debo Samuel's status. We don't know, but... The news yesterday is that Debo Samuel's calf is worse than it was last week. So Brandon Ayuk has been terrible this year, but coming into the year, we thought he was going to be one of the best young receivers in the game. He w- was so talented, looked so great last year, and now he's down to 4,100. If Debo Samuel is out, I'm going to want to play some Brandon Ayuk at 4,100, just because I would assume that he's going to be the number one receiver. And if we don't know going into the noon games, I'm going to plan for... Debo being out and I'm going to plan on having Ayuk in my lineups and then I'll adjust if, if Debo, you know, if it comes out that Debo is fully healthy, feeling great, then maybe I'll lower my exposure to Brandon Ayuk. But even if we just get word that Debo is playing, but we don't get, you know, any indication of how he's feeling exactly, I might still take more shots than the field on Brandon Ayuk and just hope, you know, that Debo Samuel, I mean, I don't want to say I'm going to hope for an injury, but uh, <laughs> acknowledge that it's a possibility that he's going to get hurt in game and then Brandon Ayuk becomes the number one. So I like the idea of playing Brandon Ayuk at 4,100. What do you think of that play? Uh, so I'm actually going to use this as a talking point to transition us to tight end because I like the logic there, except I'm going a little bit of a, di- a different direction with the same situation. That's going to be George Kittle at tight end, who is cheap and picking up no ownership this week. And he's expected to come back from his injury. Uh, George Kittle has said himself he's feeling a little bit rusty, but he's ready to get back on the field. He is 6,000 on FanDuel, picking up uh, 4% projected ownership. On DraftKings at 5,200, projected for 2% ownership. Nobody's playing George Kittle. Obviously, there's risk involved coming off the injury, but I care more about the upside. This is somebody who coming into the year was consensus considered one of the top tight ends in football. And just because of some injury now, we're totally forgetting about him. I don't think that he should be that far removed from what he was in the past. So I agree with everything you said about Ayuk, but I'm just flipping the name and changing it to George Kittle instead of Ayuk. Why not both? I'm going to be that's playing some George Kittle true. as well. Uh, I like the idea of George Kittle, 5,200. I mean, that's a pretty low price tag for a guy who coming into the year was the number three tight end, I think was the expectation um, behind Kelsey and Waller. And he's way cheaper than those guys. So I will definitely be over the field. He's only projected for 1.8% ownership on DraftKings. Um, I love that. Yeah, I'm going to be taking some shots on Kittle for sure. And the same logic applies. I'm not going to go over it all again with not knowing Debo's status. I just think... Uh, Kittle may be the number one receiver there as well. So, yes, I will be well over the field on George Kittle if he really does come in at under 2% ownership. 
Yep. And uh, once again, it's going to be dependent a little bit on Debo Samuel's status. Although I'm going to like to get a little bit of George Kittle, even if, if Samuel plays, but if Samuel is out, then I'm really going to like George Kittle. Uh, but my number one overall favorite tight end this week is going to be Darren Waller. He is $6,200 on DraftKings. On FanDuel, we have Darren Waller priced at $6,800. Once again, there's additional target share to go in that in that Las Vegas Raiders offense without without rugs in the picture. And I think we should assume a lot of it goes to Hunter Renfro. A lot of it goes to Darren Waller. Neither of them are priced yet for the change in situation. So I really like this Raiders offense as a whole. And really, as we walk through this show and talk about the more, I think I, I have to get more interested in, in Derek Carr as a quarterback option, just because we talked about liking Josh Jacobs. We talked about liking uh, Renfro. We talked about liking Darren Waller. You know, at some point, I'm going to have to play the quarterback with these guys as well. But Waller's my favorite overall tight end option on the slate. And once again, it's because of all the same reasons we like Hunter Renfro. Yeah, I mean, Waller looks great in the tools. Uh, like you said, larger target share than he has had. Only projects for 11.1% ownership at 6,200 uh, with a 20.2% boom probability and a 13.6% optimal lineup probability. I agree with you. Darren Waller looks great. Um, I think the thing that's going to keep me from going like well over the field, and I think I'll be over the field on Waller. The thing that's keeping me from going well over the field is that Kyle Pitts actually looks great as well. Uh, with only only projected for 6.2% ownership, but an 18.2% boom probability. I really like that and 10% optimal lineup probability. So I really like Kyle Pitts and he is a little bit cheaper than Darren Waller. Um, so that'll dampen my, my Waller ownership a little bit, but you know, I'm still going to get over the field on Waller. I'm just going to also be over the field on pits. Um, it, it is, it's a weird slate in that there are a lot of tight ends who look really great in the tools. So I think that that sort of just dampens my ownership on all of them a little bit because so many of them look good relative to their ownership. Um, do you think you're going to be condensed or a little bit more spread out? What, what's your plan this week? You know, you know, it's funny. I usually go spread out at tight end, but it's because I hate all of the options. And like you said, it's the inverse. It's there's a lot of guys to like this week. So it ends up being the same result, but it's it's just by a completely different process where I agree with you. I think there's a reason to like George Kittle. Down Waller's overall my favorite. Uh, Kyle Pitts, you just mentioned, there's no there's no Calvin Ridley in the mix. And Pitts has been highly volatile this year, but once again, I think that's something that we generally want to take advantage of in tournaments. Just like the last four games for Kyle Pitts, he scored nine DraftKings points, 29.9, 26.3, and 3.3. Production all over the map, but I think we should consider that there's likely to be extra targets coming his way with regularity with no Calvin Ridley in the picture. So I'm, I'm on board with you with Kyle Pitts as well. Uh, I want to I ask you for your opinion on Travis Kelsey because... We talked about Patrick Mahomes at the top of the show and uh, about how some of his struggles and one thing I correlated to is I think that Travis Kelsey just looks a step slower this year. And that's not to say that he's just not somebody who can have big fantasy games because he, he clearly can with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. But last year, he had over 20 fantasy points in almost every single game. This year, he has not had 20 over 20 fantasy points since week two against the Baltimore Ravens. So maybe he's hiding an injury. Maybe it's something else going on, but we just do not generally see production this poor from Travis Kelsey. Do you think he's potentially lost a step? And are you looking to pay up for him at tight end this week? I think it's possible. I think it's more likely that Travis Kelsey has lost a step than Patrick Mahomes for sure, because he is a little bit older. I mean, we saw it with Zach Ertz. He was so great. And then the next year he just plummeted. Uh, now he's rebounded a little bit. It wouldn't be that shocking if Travis Kelsey has lost a step. And yeah, he didn't look great at all on Monday night. I mean, he looked pretty rough out there, um, but I'm still, I'm not going to assume that he's dust at this point. I'm not going to play like he's dust. I'm going to have some Travis Kelsey. 
the thing that's going to keep me from getting well over the field again is all these other tight end options that I like. It's not because I'm, you know, expecting that Travis Kelsey is just dust at this point. It's just because there are cheaper guys that I like as much or better than Kelsey uh, in their matchup. So I think I'll be maybe over the field on 7.5% projected ownership because 7,000 isn't prohibitive. I mean, that's not a huge price tag for Travis Kelsey, um, but it's not something that I'm going to be, I'm not going to be playing 25% Travis Kelsey either. So um, I think I'll be over the field. Where do you think you're going to come in relative to the 7.5% projected ownership? Uh, I'm going to be overweight to it, especially because we do have such low ownership going to Patrick Mahomes. And I said that I want to kind of try to prioritize getting some chief stacks. And then I look at how I think that he's ultimately with Travis Kelsey and chief stacks going to fit into my lineup builds. And there's a lot of cheap wide receivers I like. So I know that somebody in the YouTube chat, Chronic Smith, had mentioned that uh, Alex said in a video he made earlier in the week that he really likes cheap tight ends. The one thing I kind of differ with it for this week is there's so many cheap wide receivers to like now at this point and cheap wide receivers that probably Alex didn't know about when he made that video earlier in the week that, you know, the, the Odell Beckham situation, that's new. The rug situation, that's new. And it's just opened up all his value wide receiver. Then you start to look, well, where am I going to pay up? And it kind of makes sense to be like, hey, I'm going to pay up a little bit for, for Travis Kelsey, pay up for Darren Waller, maybe more so than I would in other weeks at tight end. So it just kind of naturally fits that my Patrick Mahomes stacks are going to be more with Kelsey uh, than, than uh, with Tyreek Hill, just because there's so many wide receivers I like as well. Yeah, I like that thought. I mean, this is just a slate where there's just no, like I said earlier, there's nobody you really love uh, paying up for. So it's not really a stars and scrubsy slate. So I feel like we're going to get a lot more mid-range. And Travis Kelsey, he's not that expensive. Um, so yeah, I think that it's a slate where in a vacuum, I, I agree that all of these cheap tight ends look great. But like you said, we didn't have all the news. Alex probably didn't know what we know now when he made that video. So um, he might not be quite as high on some of the cheap tight ends. Although, I mean, some of the cheap tight ends still look pretty great at their current projected ownership. Um, we'll, we'll see if they change. Um, did you, did you um, want to talk about some of those cheap guys? or I, I want to talk about one I don't like, and that is uh, Tyler Conklin, who I, I'm confused by his ownership. He's He's been okay this year, and he's had a couple of good games in a row, but not spectacular games. He does remain really cheap. Uh, but he, the last couple of weeks, 10.7 fantasy points, 10.1. And, and once again, has a price point in, in the low 3K range. But I still don't understand why are people rostering him with double digit ownership here when we have so many tight ends to get to. And also, by the way, if you guys want to check out these ownership projections, they are, they're free to use over at awesomeo.com for today. So that is our free content today. Go check that out and see some of the stuff we have up on the site. Uh, but do you, are you on the same page with me, Tyler Conklin? Can you explain why he's become this popular? I mean, maybe it's because people want to play Lamar and he's a, a natural cheap run back. So maybe that pushes his ownership a little bit. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm not I'm not planning on playing a lot of Tyler Conklin. He's one I hadn't even written on my sheet because there are so many other tight ends that I like better. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not planning on getting to Tyler Conklin in any significant number. Maybe I'll have a couple of shares, but it wouldn't surprise me if I get zero Tyler Conklin this week, given how much I like a lot of the other tight ends a lot more. Yeah, and uh, one of those ones who uh, is is going to stay, uh, I'm not Alberto. I'm not going to try to pronounce his uh, his last name because that would go uh, that would go poorly. I've tried to do it before, and it's uh, it's not a name that I've mastered yet. There's a lot of there's a lot of NBA names, the foreign names that I've gotten that I've gotten better at, like Shingun on the Houston Rockets. I've watched Turkish videos to try to pronounce his name. Alberto is just going to be Alberto for me, uh, but he's somebody who rates out pretty well for us. And if you're looking for a pivot. As a cheap tight end play, I would go from, from Conklin to Alberto. The reason being, 
both of them priced about the same 3000 for Conklin and ZK 2600 for Alberto uh, similar ownership also, but we have Alberto landing the optimal at 14.5% of the time compared to just 2.8% of the time for Albert, for, uh, for Tyler Conklin. So that's the pivot I like to make if we're going on the cheap end. Is, is that reasonable to you? Yep. He looks great right now. I mean, it kind of depends on where his ownership comes in at currently on, on DraftKings only projected for 8.5% ownership. Um, so that's really low given that, given the 21.8% boom probability on DraftKings. So currently where things stand, I would be well over the field on Alberto. Um, I'm also not going to try to pronounce it. I think I tried maybe week one or two when, whenever he was relevant um, the last time. And uh, I regretted it because I did not pronounce it correctly. So I'm not going to try either. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be, if things stand as they are now, I'm probably going to be over the field on Albert O at only 2,600. And then another pivot I, li- I kind of like is Tommy Sweeney um, against the Jaguars, just because he's only 3,100, only projected for 3.5% ownership, but a 13.5% boom probability, 6.8% optimal lineup probability. So I think I'll get to t- some Tommy Sweeney. Um, and then actually a third, a third uh, cheap tight end that I like is Jared Cook at 3,300 versus the Eagles. Only project for eight percent ownership, but a twelve point a twelve percent boom probability, nine point six percent optimal lineup probability. So there's just a lot of alternatives that I like better than Tyler Conklin. So I'm not going to force it in, even though I'll probably be watching that game. And usually I like to I like to have the players that I'm watching. I'm, I'm not going I'm not going to force it in this week. Yeah, and uh, one other thing to mention about Tommy Sweeney is so there's a new show that I'm doing on Fridays with Gunbacker where we look at the top stacks tool, then we go into fantasy country, we make some settings and we run lineups with some of the most positive leverage stacks. And when we were making bills stacks on DraftKings yesterday, I did notice that we were getting to a lot of Tommy Sweeney popping up in double stacks with, uh, with Stefan Diggs. So some of those lineups where we needed a little bit of value with Josh Allen and Steph Diggs, uh, Sweeney was popping up at tight end in those lineups. Uh, so let's jump over to the DSTs now and, uh, we kind of have an interesting talking point here just because it's very rare that we see a defense that is this popular. And on both DraftKings and FanDuel, the Kansas City Chiefs, the chalk of the slate, $2,300 on, on DK, on FanDuel, the price point is 3300 if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 3300 So we got 10% ownership going to them on FanDuel, which is you know pretty substantial for defense, but over 20% on DraftKings. What do you make of them against Jordan Love when we don't know what to what we're going to be getting out of Love? We know the Chiefs' defense has sucked this year, but they're nearly min price against a quarterback with basically no experience. I mean, if they were coming in at four percent ownership, I would love them against Jordan Love. Uh, they were one of the defenses that I was planning on talking about, and then I looked at the tool and I was like, man, twenty-two percent projected ownership. They're a bad defense, so like doesn't matter how cheap they are if they don't put up any points they're probably not going to be optimal um so i i don't love the chiefs in this spot given the ownership uh i mean again it could ha- it could work out 2300 against jordan love they could get a pick six and that would be all they need at 2300 um but i'm going to take my chances elsewhere just given the 22 percent ownership and only 10.5 percent boom probability 11.7 percent optimal line of probability um i'd rather get under the field for sure. If they're, if they're going to get 22% ownership, how about you? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. Cause I do like to save money at defense. So I'm trying to find out just looking where I want to go for other cheaper defenses. If I'm not going to be playing them and you know, the other ones here, it's like, I, do I really want to roster the Browns defense against the Bengals? No, probably not really for me. Uh, let's see what else looks cheap and as uh, potential. So the top boom scores right now for cheap defenses, it's, it is, it is the Browns at 2,500. 
but I don't know that I really love getting to that, especially because of how many pieces I like on offense on the other side. There's the Panthers defense at 2,600. You know, maybe it's a thing where just mix and match. Defense generally tends to be random anyway, and maybe there's a bunch of defense they'll just end up playing like 5 to 8%. I'm going to be underweight to the field on the Chiefs. I just don't know how heavily underweight to the field. Yeah, so I... I do like the Browns just because the Bengals have such a bad offensive line. I could see them getting some sacks. They're, they're a pretty good defense. So I like the Browns at 2,500 against the Bengals. I would expect to be over the field on them, just given how they look in the tool too. I mean, 3.1% projected ownership on DraftKings, 8.6% boom probability, 5.5% optimal lineup probability. And I mentioned earlier, I really like the 49ers and just assuming that Kyler's out. I hope the news doesn't come out before lock. So everybody locks in the Chiefs defense, and then I'm going to have be well over the field on the Niners defense. Um, so I'm just going to plan on being well over the field on the Niners in this spot. All right. So any other defense takes? If not, we could hit on our top stacks of the weeks, and then we'll uh, then we'll get on out of here. No other defenses for me. I think those are the the ones that I wanted to talk about. All right. So in terms of favorite stacks this week, uh, I'm going to go with the contrarian stack. I'm going to say Joe Burrow to T Higgins with Jarvis Landry as a run back on the other side. I really, really like Landry this week, and uh, I don't really like the. I don't really like much of the Browns' offense. Maybe a little bit of Nick Chubb around him. So I prefer bringing it back with the Bengals side of the game and Baker Mayfield himself. So give me, uh, yeah, give me Joe Burrow with T Higgins, and then we could even double stack with either Jamar Chase or Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry on the other side. That is something I really like getting overweight to the field on for uh, large field tournaments or single entry. Neil, if you were building one tournament lineup this week, what would be your stack choice? So I feel like I always go contrarian here and I've had mixed results. I'm not going to go contrarian today. I'm going to go Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders. Um, they're the two that we know are going to play. I mean, you can mix in Beasley or Gabe Davis, depending on who's going to be the third starter. Um, but yeah, I really like Josh Allen with, with Diggs and Sanders. All right. That is going to do it for us, guys. If you've not done so already, do us a favor, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We still got MMA content coming up today. We've got NBA Deeper Dive, NBA Live Before Lock. So do us a favor, check all that out as well. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.